Today we start a journey that for the next seven weeks leading up to Easter, we're gonna walk through the life of Jesus, chronologically to see the way of Jesus. And today as we start, we're gonna open up to Luke chapter four. And before we bring our special guest out today, I wanna just set up this series a little bit. Today, do you know what we're gonna look at? Do you know the very first thing that happened to Jesus after he was baptized? He's gonna start his public ministry. You know the very first thing that happened to him? Anybody know? The very first thing that happened to Jesus is the first thing that we are gonna have to deal with if we wanna live the way of Jesus. This is a little surprising. Listen to this. Luke chapter four, um, starting in verse one, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. That was where he was baptized, in the Jordan River. And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into a desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Now, anyone else surprised by that? Like when you got baptized, did you think the very next thing that was gonna happen in your life was a desert of temptation? No, a lot of us thought that when we got baptized, everything's gonna be good. Like we got Jesus now. And what we see from the life of Jesus is if we wanna live the way of Jesus, we have to learn to deal with temptation. That's what we're gonna talk about today. And one of the, the things you need to know is that Satan is out to, to tempt you. Um, in fact, one of the names of Satan, it comes from Matthew, in Matthew chapter four. It says after they were, uh, Jesus was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And it says, this is the name of Satan, the what? The tempter came to him. Okay, he's gonna tempt Jesus. And the only good thing we can really say about Satan is that he is completely predictable. He's totally predictable. In fact, he's been running the same three plays of temptation since the beginning of time. It's the exact same three. Um, you can see it in Jesus' life. If, if I took you back to Adam and Eve, you'd see the exact same three to Moses, to Abraham, to David. It's the exact same three. What are those three temptations? First John chapter two, verse 16, lists them for him. It says this, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Now you look at those terms and you're like, well, what, what is that? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Let me just explain them really quickly. The lust of the flesh is the temptation to feel good. It's the temptation of passion. It's the temptation that to have something sensual or, or, or to sleep with someone or to feel good in some way. That doesn't have to just be pleasure. It could be food in some way. That It could be a substance. It's, it's, it's the temptation to do this, to live this way. Well, if it, how could something be so wrong that feels so right? That, this is the temptation that we're gonna, we're gonna experience. And when Jesus was tempted in this way, by the way, to, to feel something, what Satan does is he comes to him and he says, Jesus, you're hungry. He's, he's been fasting for 40 days. And Satan says, if you're the son of God, turn these stones into bread. You're like, well, what's wrong with Jesus eating? Nothing, but Satan wants him, watch this, to meet a legitimate need in a sinful way. That's really what temptation is. It's to meet a legitimate need that we have sometimes in, a, in an illegitimate way, in a simple way. Because Jesus was not given the power by God to turn stones into bread for his own benefit. He was given that power for others. But Satan wants to use his feelings to tempt him to do something he knows he shouldn't do. It's the first temptation. The second temptation is the lust of the eyes. What is this? This is the temptation to have something. To have what my eyes see. It's really the temptation of possession, greed, more money, 
a bigger house. Something's going to give you whatever you see. You can have something that's going to give you what really only God can provide, which is true peace and fulfillment. And what happens to Jesus is Satan takes him up to a high place and he says, look at everything and see Jesus with your eyes, all this stuff. I will give you everything you see if you'll just bow down to me. And Jesus quotes scripture. He says, scripture says, worship the Lord your God and him only. In other words, I'll worship God to give me what I need, not trying to chase after the things of this world and more possessions. The last temptation, the pride of life, is, is maybe the trickiest for some of us. What, what is the pride of life? It's the temptation to be known, to be worshiped by other people. It's the temptation of position, of status, of power, to have more followers, to just be better than you. And when Satan comes to Jesus, um, the way he tempts him in this way is, is Satan comes to Jesus and he says, throw yourself off this building. And when you throw yourself off, the angels will catch you. It'll be epic. Like the angels will catch you. Everyone around you will go, whoa, that dude's awesome. Let's worship him. Now what's wrong with Jesus being worshiped? Nothing. But he was going to do it. Satan wants him to do it in an illegitimate way. God's plan for Jesus to be worshipped was to die on a cross. Not to show off in, a, in front of a bunch of people. And this is our temptation as well, right? To make it about us in our pride to make life all about us versus in self-sacrifice making our life about others. These are the three temptations that Satan has been playing. It's his play. He's been using it since the beginning of time. The question is, what do we do with the temptations of passion to feel something, possession to have something we see, and the temptation of position, the pride of life? Well, I, I invited a really a special friend this weekend to come and invest in us when it comes to dealing with temptation and living a life focused on Jesus, and his name's Tim Tebow, okay? If you, uh, if you don't know who Tim Tebow is, welcome to the 21st century, Okay. <laughs> Uh, Tim Tebow is a uh, two-time national champion with the University of Florida, youngest Heisman Trophy winner um, in history. He played professional football and baseball. He's now an ESPN commentator. He's an author. He's a speaker. Most importantly, he's a deep follower of Jesus. And oh, by the way, he also married... Miss Universe in 2020. So would you help give a warm welcome to my friend, Tim Tebow. Come on. Let's go. Thank you. What's up, buddy? Hey, buddy. Good to see you. Thank you, guys. So glad to be here. It's been too long. Two years is too long. Why, why have you been away so long? Because you haven't invited me. I'm just know. kidding. That's not true. I don't true. know if that's true. No, you have, a, true. you have an awesome pastor. You and your family are so wonderful. We love you guys. And we got to come back sooner than every two years because you have also have a wonderful church. We really oh, do. We love yeah. you guys. We're so grateful. As a, as a matter of fact, we had the chance to have breakfast this morning. And, uh, and uh, Pastor Stone was there too. And um, it's amazing. You, like, there was literally like 40 people that came up to Pastor Ashley, and they were like, oh my gosh, Pastor Ashley, but what's so cool is, I don't know that I heard many of them mention coming inside of the building. So many of them mentioned how this church has impacted them in their community. Mm. 
And I thought, dang, that is so cool. Like this church isn't a building we go to on Sunday. It's a people we get to do life with every day. And your church does that yeah. so well. Aww. And they love you so much. They're Pastor Ashley, Pastor Ashley, we love you. Like 40 people came to you and like six came to Pastor Stone. Yeah. So that was cool. <laughs> well, let, let me tell you the they, truth. The six loved hey, you though. Yeah, they did love you, Dave. When the 40 people came up to me to say hi to, to me, they said, hi, Pastor Ashley. Can you take uh, Tim's photo with us, please? <laughs> That's really what's going on, That's right? That's not true. That's true. It was. Hey, let's, let's get into this topic of temptation because um, I love, I love your, your, your thoughts on this. Um, a lot of people think, hey, if I'm mature enough as a Christian, maybe I'll never have to deal with temptation again. Like if I'm as strong as Tim Tebow, I don't mean physically, because you're, you're not that strong physically, to be honest, to me. You're really you know not. what's weird is when we were backstage, he didn't have a jacket on. Just, do, you, do you want me to take this jacket off? Because I'm not going to. <laughs> I, I always wear a jacket when I'm with Tim Tebow, okay? Hey, first of all, let me say feel- something else. Do y'all know how competitive y'all's pastor is? Like in not as competitive. I don't know. We 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 might. I'll I'll, I'll put competition. Before we came out, he the last thing he said after we prayed was, "By the way, when we play cards tonight, you're gonna get crushed." And he is. He is. No, I I think I think a lot of people think like. I don't mean physical strength. I mean you get to like a spiritually strong place. Like, hey, I'm I've read through your scripture. I've been church enough. Like, I'm not going to have to deal with the temptation anymore. Do you still deal with temptation, man? I feel like man? that also is a temptation. Yeah. Like you feel like you're like, oh, I'm going to get past the point of temptation. Look at scripture and look at so many huh. heroes of the faith and look at how they're even deep walking with the Lord. And I mean, look at Peter. Yeah. Like Peter's someone that literally gets to walk with the Lord. And then he's like, nope, I deny him. I don't even know him. Yeah. It's a temptation, like, isn't it's a, it? Yeah, it's even a temptation. That, even that's a temptation. It absolutely is a temptation, and I think that it's something that we all need to be so aware of because we also need to know and be reminded, just like you said, that we have an enemy and also know exactly what his goals are because mm. they're mm. very clear. He also has three goals, to kill, to steal, and destroy. destroy. That is very clear, and mm. he makes it very clear. Like, we have an enemy, and his goals aren't to help us. It's not to bring life. It's not to support you. It's not to make you feel good. No, it's to kill, it's to steal, and destroy. We know we have an enemy, and we need to be prepared for that enemy. But we have something greater in us than he mm. who is in the world. Come on. We have a king who is already one. We have the Holy Spirit in us which has already won the battle. So we need to know, yes, we have an enemy. The enemy is powerful, but he pales in comparison to our king. That's right. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I, I, I think that's why we, we have to be on, on guard. We have a king, but we have an enemy that's yes. coming after us. And I think, he, I think when you think about Satan and his, his temptation, he's so sneaky, right? I mean, he's, he, he doesn't come in like, sometimes the way we think he would, he comes in the most sneaky ways. I wonder if you think back on your life and the times you've been you know, tempted the most, are there any, are there any common factors, commonalities in when, yeah. when you find yourself tempted? 
Well, I think, you know, for me, I've been tempted in a lot of ways and unfortunately give in to that temptation far too many times. And it's something that I regret. And so I'm so grateful for God's grace in that too. But I feel like some of the ways that that temptation can get through to us and maybe practical way for me is a, as a couple things is one is when you're bored. It's when you're bored. It's, it's when you forget that you, you need to be on the offensive. It's when you forget that you're on mission. It's when you forget that you need to be active and loving God and loving people. And you're not. You're like sitting there and you're like scrolling on Amazon. You're scrolling on Netflix. You're scrolling on social media. You're, mm. you're, you're, you're bored and you have idle time. And your mind starts to think about thoughts probably shouldn't. Then you say things you probably shouldn't and maybe do things you, that we all shouldn't. And I think boredom plays into it. I think that's why we need to live an active, aggressive, offensive, focus on the Great Commission, on the mission God has called us to, because also, by the way, we all have a mission. I'm not sure if you know that, but God has given us all a mission, a purpose, and a plan, and is not to just chill and just scroll. We literally do all have a mission that is very clear. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in. For we are his workmanship. The word workmanship comes from the Greek word poema, which is also where we get the word poem, but it also means masterpiece. Hmm. For we are his masterpiece. So when you have Christ Jesus in you, know that you're a masterpiece. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. For we are his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus. But then he goes on to say, for good works, which he's prepared for you before you were ever born. Good works, that means you have a mission. And by the way, if the Bible is going to say that you have good works, then they're not average. It's not mundane. It's not mediocre. You don't have just random, silly things to do. You have good works that are going to affect eternity. That means you have a mission. And in that mission, we need to be offensive, not just meandering through life. And I think one of the ways that, that we don't just kind of haphazardly go through life is remember what are the greatest things we're called to do? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Both of those are an action. Both of those are a choice. Both of those are an offensive move. Every day we get to choose. We get to go to love God. I get to go to church. I get to go share his word. I get to get in the Bible. I get to talk about it. I get to fellowship. I get to go love people. Those are actions. That's offensive. It's part of our game plan. If you were to play sports at a high level and get better and better, you're going to build a game plan to improve, to get better and better. You're not just going to be like, hey, guys, we're playing in the Super Bowl. Y'all want to have a play? <laughs> Do no, you're going to have a game plan of exactly what plays to run. Well, you know what? We know our plays. To love God to love people in all the unique ways and places that God has called us and placed us and developed us and encouraged us to do it. And we need to be offensive in doing that, not just sitting back and saying, man, God, I'll, I'll wait till one day when you know, I get to go on that mission trip. No, every day is our mission trip. Mm -hmm. And every day is our mission field. That's so good. 
I think, you know, I, I love that because I think a lot, of, a lot of men and women are sitting around bored versus on mission, yeah. and that's what's causing so many, temp- you know, Satan has you right where he wants you. So I, I, I love the boredom thing. Any other, any other things in life that you find are, you know, commonality to like just being in a place where, man, it really feels like I'm being tempted? Yeah, I, I think an, another one that comes to mind for me is being bitter. Hmm. Is when you're bitter, when you're, you're, you're bitter at God. And what's kind of the opposite of that? Being grateful. See, when you're grateful, you're, you're focused on your blessings. You're focused on everything that God has done for you. You're focused on the cross. You're focused on, on everything he's done in your past and all the things you're trusting he's gonna do in your future. But when you're bitter, you're focused on everything that you don't have. And I really think it's impossible at the same time to be bitter and grateful. Mm. Now, I think you can be grateful and maybe frustrated, I think you can even be grateful and disappointed. Like, man, I thought it was gonna be different, but God, I still trust you. Hmm. But I'm still grateful for everything you've done for me. But I can't say, God, I'm grateful, and God, I'm so mad at you. And I feel like that happens in our life, whether we realize it or not, that we become bitter in our life. And one example for that for me was a few years ago, I was uh, flying into Dallas, Texas, and I was going to speak for an awesome organization to do some awesome, cool things to help a lot of people. And I, and I get there a few hours early, and we're at the Cowboys facility, and they're like, hey, can we take you on a tour? And I'm like, sure. And so they're showing me all the Cowboys facility, and I'm like, holy crap, this is unbelievable. Like, I got to play for a lot of different teams and a lot of amazing facilities, and that facility is incredible. And by the time I finished the tour, do you know how I felt? I wasn't grateful that I got to see the tour. I was bitter that I not, never got to have facilities like this. <laughs> I mean, that's a true story. Like, it's not like I'm just saying this to like hyperbole so that, uh, no, I genuinely was bitter. Like, man, I wish I got a chance to be in a place like this. I mean, literally, their weight room for their fans was nicer than any weight room of any NFL team that I got to play for. I'm not kidding. And you know what happened? I, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. By the time I finished the tour and I get up to my hotel room, I was so frustrated. My soul was so upset. I had no peace. I had no joy. And I didn't even really know why. Because I wasn't like mentally thinking, I'm so bitter. But it started creeping. Oh, you, you wish you were still in the NFL. You're upset at God that he had a different plan for you. Mm. You wish you were playing on this team. And all of that, these thoughts, and I didn't start to deal with those thoughts when they first started. And so they're creeping more and more and more until literally a few hours later and I'm sitting on row one and they're introducing me to come speak, to tell people to go do good things. And I literally had to say, God, I'm so sorry because I let those thoughts start to creep and I became bitter because I forgot to be grateful. And I let all of that start to stir up in my heart and it took my joy. You see, when we're bitter, you're also not gonna have joy. And I had to ask God to forgive me I had to confess that. And you know it, when we confess, it's, it's not always how I feel like it's described. Confess literally just means to agree with God. That God, I, I was upset. 
but I need you. I wanna agree with you that I can't do it by myself, that those are bad thoughts. Would you erase those? Would you come in? Would you forgive me? Would you give me the words I need to say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, I need you, I always have needed you, I always will need you, I can't do this on my own. I know that, I agree with you. Come in and fill me with that joy in the Holy Spirit again. That's so good. And he did. That's so good. I, what I love about that story is I think so many of us have stories where life didn't turn out the way we thought. And when you sit in that too long, you start to this pride, the, the, the pride of life, the idea of like, God, you, you owe me. Yes. I, I, was, I, I deserve to be somewhere that I'm not. You know, my marriage hasn't turned out the way I thought. My kids, my career, all these things. But I think we, we forget what God may be doing in those instances yeah. is you might have a setback, but I think in your instance, you know, this, this idea of not making the NFL the way you, the, the way you wanted to, even recently with the, the Jaguars. I mean, all this thing, these setbacks but when I look at what God's accomplishing through your life, do you think God would be doing what he's doing right now through your life if you were on a field in the NFL right now? I think God can do whatever he wants. And I wanna be grateful wherever he puts me, whenever he puts me, however Amen. he puts me there. And too many times I haven't. And I was like, God, I thought we were doing this, you know? Like, yeah, I'll honor you when we win seven Super Bowls, you know? Instead of, no, whatever your plan is, that's what's right and best for me because you know better than mm. I do what you want for me. Amen. And, I mean, mm. just, you brought up that example. And I remember when I first got to go back to the Jaguars, I thought, I was like, this is awesome. God, you arranged all of this, and it's so exciting. And I, we even talked about it, Pastor Stone and Ashley. We're excited. I was training here, and we got to hang about it. And... You know, I thought for sure training here, I'm definitely going to make it, you know? That didn't help. Yeah, you trained, you trained near CCV. You came over here. I mean, I thought well, that should for sure do it, but I don't <laughs> know why. And, and we get to play our first preseason game, and it's literally on my birthday. And two days later, I get cut. And you know I was on TV the whole day? All of my worst plays. Not top 10. And you know, I literally go home to my wife and she's so supportive and she's doing everything to try to get my mind off of it. But it's so hard because you know what? It's all thoughts of selfishness. It wasn't thoughts of godliness or how I could help other people. It was all about me. It literally was all about me. Dang it, is this gonna be the way I end playing professional sports? After all the days, all the games, all the training, and it's gonna be on Sports Center, not top 10. And I was just so bitter, so irritated. And something else started happening right about then, literally at right about the same time, is we started to move troops out of Afghanistan, and Afghanistan was in chaos. So many people were getting hurt, and um, it just started to become a chaotic situation. And we had a, a lot of teams there in the Middle East helping in a lot of different ways, and then we also had teams that were flying in to help, and so uh, they flew into Afghanistan. I flew into uh, a country nearby where uh, thousands of evacuees were so we could help there, and when we land, it's overwhelming, chaos, hurting, kids that have been trampled because the situation was so chaotic, mm. people that are literally hanging on to the last breaths of life because they're dealing, they've dealt with so much 
kids that have literally been thrown over fences so that they could get to the other side and now bones are broken. And unfortunately, there, and even the first few moments, it was the last breath people were taking. And there's so much chaos and, and you get right into motion. Our teams are helping and everyone's helping and our partners are all making, you know, helping as many people as possible. And, and we're there for hours and hours. And then we're flying from that location to another country where also we're helping with evacuees. And I gotta tell you, God was just so impacting my heart and just pressing. And he was saying, you were bitter at me because you didn't make the Jaguars. You were bitter because you thought that's what I wanted you to do and that's what you wanted to do. And I was for the first time able to say to God in a while, God, thank you for letting me get cut. Wow. Because you set me up to play with the Jaguars. And then what I felt like was a setback of getting cut wasn't actually a setback. It was actually a setup to be here where I'm supposed to be. Because if I wouldn't have been set up with the Jaguars, I wouldn't have had the setback of getting cut. But to be honest, I would have been here or somewhere else or already on TV or doing broadcasting or speaking or doing something. And I wouldn't have had the freedom to instantly, when this happened, to get on a plane and fly overseas. I just wouldn't have been able to do that. But because I just got cut, nothing was on my schedule. <laughs> Wasn't planning for it. And I had the freedom to go. And I was reminded when I was there because I totally lost sight of it. Mm. Not that playing sports is wrong, but being bitter at God ain't right. Yeah. And I was so reminded and I was so grateful that you thought that I set you up to give you a setback, but actually I set you up for what I called you to. Mm. I set you up for something so much more important than a game will ever be. And I was so grateful for that, even though it still sometimes hurts. Yeah. But I was so grateful because I knew that I was where I was supposed to be. Even though sometimes it didn't feel comfortable in all the different stages to get there. And sometimes, guys, the setups and setbacks that we feel like we go through is actually just God using us and moving in us to set us up for actually what he's called us to. Mm. And I think if you look at so many heroes in scriptures, how many times did they go through setups and then setbacks of what they would have felt like before he used them in many great ways? Mm. So many times, but sometimes it's also, so maybe he gets our attention <laughs> because we're really wanting something else when really what we should be wanting is him. Amen. Hey, Tim, I, what, I wanna say this to you. I, I think you could be making an incredible impact on a football field. I am thankful that God has you where you are. And I think a lot of people in this world are thankful of where you're at. And I pray God reminds you all the time, and I'm just glad you didn't sink into the bitterness of that moment, which could have been so easy for you to do. And I, I bet you God's speaking to someone right now because you are bitter, because God didn't come through the way you thought. And now you got temptations swirling around you because Satan has you exactly where he wants you to 
prounce on you in, in the midst of your empty, you're feeling bitter, you gotta get rid of that bitterness and realize God has a plan for your life. I mean, you look at how God's using this guy. Um, tell us a little more about what God's doing in, in just the Tim Tebow Foundation right now because it's, it's incredible. I don't think people even understand it. Well, um, we're just, we're so grateful and thankful for your support and Pastor Stone's support and wisdom and so many people have poured into us and, and right now we're in over 75 countries fighting for people that can't fight for themselves and whether that's fighting for people with special needs or it's fighting to rescue people out of um, human trafficking or child exploitation or those who have been abandoned, thrown away, abused, you know, our... Mm. Our mission statement is to bring faith, hope, and love to those needing a brighter day in their darkest hour of need, but to really sum it up is to fight for people that can't fight for themselves, and to make it even a little bit clearer, thank you, is, is we know that we have one MVP, and his name's Jesus, and he has commanded us to take care of his MVPs, and that and meaning the most vulnerable people around the world. So the most vulnerable people, that's who we're called to, and that's who we're gonna try to get to. I love it. Thank you for what you're doing, and we're... I'll tell you, you need to know as a church, we are honored to be a part of uh, the Tim Tebow Foundation. In fact, for years, uh, we've done a, a special needs prom, uh, Night to Shine. This year, I think, was our, our largest we've ever had. We had 388 kings and queens, special needs uh, kids and, and, and adults come. Over fi almost 500 volunteers. And um, I wanna show you just a glimpse of what that night looks like, because many of you don't get to experience it, but to see what God's doing in our church with these people. Um, I want you to see this right now. What, what, I, what I love, and we, we brought these gummy bears out, you know, because this is... Because uh, yeah, Ashley's hungry. This is my, yeah, it's this little snack, a little, little pre-game, you know, <laughs> mid-game snack or something. But my, my temptation, uh, not, not my biggest one, I promise you that, um, I'm, I, I have a sweet tooth. But I think all of us have something that this just represents whatever, whatever Satan's going to tempt you with. It could be something really deep. Um, really sexual in, in, in nature that is, is really off God's plan. It could be something financial. It could be something where really you're trying to look for the recognition for you and your name versus getting out and serving others. And what I, what I like about what Tim said is that, you know, we, like any offensive team, we need a, a, we need a defensive plan and we need an offensive plan. And it's, it's, one thing to, it's one thing to play defense with temptation, which by the way, we should, um, it's, you know, we, sh we should remove as much of the temptation as we can, but guess what? You can't remove all temptation. Satan is that sneaky. He's gonna bring it your way. So you better have something 
that you are offensively going after that makes a difference not for your kingdom, but for God's kingdom. And if you don't have that that you're chasing after, it will be very easy to fall prey to temptation. And I think that's what you have. You're, you're chasing after something that means so much. Yeah, I, I just think it's so true what you said, that we need to be on offense because you can't avoid everything. But man, when you're running after what you're called to, it's so easy to run by what you're not called to. That's so good. Because you just keep going. But you know what? You, you know what is something so random, but you know what I never hear? I never hear any of my friends or people that I hang out with being like, you know what, last night when I was watching Netflix, God really called me. <laughs> I mean, God can do whatever he wants. So obviously God can call people on Amazon or Netflix or whatever he wants. I just don't hear it a lot. But you know what I do hear a lot is, man, when, when I was at church, when I was at discipleship, when I was at youth group, when I was at uh, volunteer, when I went to go help, when I went on the mission trip, when I was active, when I was doing this, when I was on offense for King Jesus, mm. all of these things happened. I just very rarely ever hear, you know what, I'm just scrolling, I had to get some stuff on Amazon, and man, God did this in my life. But, yeah. but I, I do hear a lot and have experienced so many times when I am scrolling that all of a sudden I start going down roads that I shouldn't in so many different ways with things of pride, with things of lusting of the eyes or the flesh. And you know a unique big one? I don't think it's just unique to me. is comparison. Mm. Do you know 12% of our daily thoughts are spent in some form of comparison? Crazy study. 12%. Do you know when 12% of your day is spent thinking you're supposed to be like someone else, then 12% of your day is not being who God's called you to be? Oh, man. Because we're not called to be like anybody else. If God wanted you to be like somebody else, guess what? He would have made you like somebody else. Mm. But God created you Fearfully and wonderfully made. Fearfully just means awesome, and wonderfully means unique and set apart. And you know, I've gotten the chance to, to travel around the world and see some of the seven wonders of the world, and it's fascinating when you see them. But we say that they're one of the seven wonders of the world because most of the time, they're so unique and different. But do you know that you're more awesome unique and different and one of one than any of the seven wonders of the world. And you are more loved than one of the seven wonders of the world. Like, I hope you know that so it gives you confidence in who you are and who you were created to be and the mission and the purpose that God has for your life. Because one of the reasons we compare ourselves to others is because we're not confident in who God called us to be because we're saying, oh, I wish I had that. I wish I played for that team. I wish I looked like that. I wish I looked like that without makeup. I wish I had that. I wish I had that home. I wish I had that boat. I wish all of these things, rather than saying, God, thank you so much for what you've done in me. Thank you for what you're going to do in me. I'm so grateful that you made me one of one. You created me in love, by love, and for love, and you have a great plan and purpose for my life, and I can't wait to experience all the things that you have for me and you're going to do in me. And now I don't have to spend time comparing and wondering and wishing I was like someone else because I'm confident who God created me to be. That's so good. That's so good. You, uh, 
you, I don't know if you know this, you just ministered to me. Because I've been, I've been sitting up here comparing my biceps to yours this whole entire time. <laughs> and God doesn't, want, God doesn't want me to look like that. He wants me to be, he wants me. To be me. I, I think Eat that's, margaritas. I think that's, I just, I think that's so profound. Like, think about, think about how, how, how sneaky Satan is of just saying, getting you into a place where you're, you're tempted just because you're trying to be like somebody else. Okay, let me, let me ask you this, because um, you have one of the biggest, you're, you're one of the, have the biggest Christian platforms in, in the world right now. I mean, you have, you know, so much going on, so many people know you, um, when it comes to the idea of pointing people to Tim Tebow, which would be so easy to do versus pointing people to Jesus, something you would not know about him that I've got to observe and, and Dave and many people have got to observe is that he is so humble off the stage, you guys. You wouldn't believe it. I mean, he, it, when, when we're out and about, he is always, people are coming up to him, oh, Tim, Tim, Tim. No, 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 he's always pointing it back to someone else or pointing people back to Jesus. And I just wonder if you'd help, because I think I struggle, I mean, I struggle with that, of like, how do, you, how do you use when people know you, not to point people to you, because we're nothing, how do we point people to Jesus? How have you done that well over time? Well, I think it really matters, because he's the only one that won't let him down, because I'll be the one that lets him down every time. You know, it's just the reality is, I'm a sinner that's saved by grace, from a king that loves me and I'm so grateful. And I think when we look at scripture and we look at, especially the gospel, there's three things that, that stand out to me more and more. Is number one, what we've been saved from. We're not average people that were made a little bit better. That's not the message of salvation. That's not the message of gospel. We were dead people that are made alive. From old to new, from dead to alive, from lost to found, from slave to son. There's a gravity. And the more you study the scriptures, the more you realize, oh my goodness, the grace that was given to me and you is not something that made an average person just a tiny bit better. The message of the gospel is not, you know, show up to church and then next week come back and work a little bit harder. That's not it. It's you are dead and there's nothing you could do about it. But we had a savior on our behalf give his life as a ransom for you because he loved you so much. Like, so why would I want to point people to me? Every time I've done it, I regret it. Why would I want to do that? I was a dead person that couldn't do anything about it. I was a wretched sinner. And still am. But God. Amen. In his grace. There's a gravity that we need to understand. The gospel. The gospel is not a message that is just, oh man, I just like sort of tweak you a little bit. No, there was nothing you could do, but Jesus did everything for us. And now I'm no longer defined by my scars. I'm defined by his. And that's the second thing that you see is who we've been saved by, our king, King Jesus of man. When you realize it, 
it's crazy. Like, there's a king that loves you so much that could have easily called down legions of armies to get him out of there. Could have easily just said, no, I don't want to do this. I mean, he didn't want to. He's sweating drops of blood. But he still went through with it for you and for me. Our king loves humanity so much. Why do we have night to shine? It's when you look at scriptures, over 60% of Jesus' public miracles were for those who were afflicted. In our terms, we would probably say some form of special need. Jesus didn't look by people. He didn't look around people. He saw people. He didn't see less than. He saw valuable. That's why every single Night to Shine has a red carpet. Because in our society, it signifies VIP. We don't want to look around people because every single person has extreme value and worth. How do I know that? Because our Savior, the Son of God, who has infinite value and worth, was willing to give his life as an exchange for us. That means that you have infinite value and worth. That means all of humanity has infinite value and worth. But do we treat him as such? You see, when I see the world through that lens, through the the lens of what Jesus did on the cross for humanity, how can I now look at somebody as less than? How can I look at somebody or look around somebody? How can I treat somebody because they were born different or they look different or they're from a different culture or continent? I can't see them as different. I see them for what they were created to be as royalty, sons of the king. So now we see people, and I hope I do, I I hope I see people as royalty because they were created to be in a relationship with the king of this universe and adopted into the family of God. When You know when you are a son or daughter of the king, you know that makes you royalty, right? Mm -hmm. Do we treat people as royalty? And the third thing I think that when we fall in love with scripture is that we're reminded of what we're saved for. It's not happenstance. We're not called to meander through life. We are given a mission. And a lot of times you'll hear in church the Great Commission. And listen, guys, I was homeschooled, so I don't really use the word great, like commission, you know? But I do understand the word mission. And it is the great mission that the church has been given. Amen. To bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. You also know where you go tomorrow, that's part of the ends of the earth, right? Like it's on its way. And you know, actually a better translation is as we go, as we go, as we go tomorrow, as we go this evening, as we go the rest of this week, we share and we show and we give and we bring the hope and the good news of the gospel. That's our mission. Oh, good. I just, I just wish you had a little more passion, you know, for it. If you can work on that. <laughs> that'd be great. If you work on that, that'd be great. You know, 
I'll work um, on my passion. You work on the buys. Oh, all right. All right. <laughs> 2023 goals. Here we go. You know what? I love, I love what you said, Tim, about, about Scripture because you, you, just, you just described the whole gospel message. And I think if, if you're sitting there going, like, that's not how I think, or I, I, don't, I don't feel that as deeply, it could be because you're not in God's word as consistently, okay? And one of the commonalities that Jesus did every time he fought temptation, you go read, go read Luke chapter four this week. Every time Jesus is tempted, he quoted scripture. And I think we need to be people of scripture, in scripture, living by scripture to hold strong to truth. And Tim, I think you've helped us do that today. What I wanna do before we wrap up though is I just, I want you to look in the camera and I just believe there's someone here today that has fallen to temptation over and over and over again. And they have so much shame. They don't even believe that Jesus really did come to die for them and to remove that shame and to help them live a life that's victorious over yeah. temptation. They're defeated right now. Yeah. I'd love for you to just talk to that. Like it could just be one person right now. Like talk to that one person. I mean, first day, I just want you to know that I love you and that God loves you so much. And you might feel like you are hopeless. And you know the one, something that's so cool about hope in scripture is it's not like going to Disneyland or Disney World where I flip a coin and I'm like, I hope we win. I hope it lands on heads. We're not hoping. Mm. Hope, the biblical form of hope is to look forward with anticipation, with confidence, knowing what's gonna happen, the promises of God. The expectation. And, and that comes because we get to know and understand the promises of God because they're in God's word of what he's done and what he's gonna continue to do. There's been so many times that I have been in, in prisons and in death rows and in suicide watches in different prisons in different countries around the world. And so many times, inmates will say to me, after I share the gospel, but Timmy, you have no idea what I've done. Hmm. And I say, no, I don't, I don't need to. I don't even want to, but God does. Hmm. He knows and he still loves you. He loves hmm. you so much. And one of my favorite verses is John 16, when Jesus tells his disciples, for in me you have peace. In the world you will have trials and tribulations, but you can take heart because I've overcome the world. You see, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done, no matter how hopeless you feel, please, please, please don't underestimate the cross and what Jesus has done. Amen. Because what happened on the cross was Jesus overcame sin. He defeated death. And he gives all of us hope. The promise of the free gift of eternal life. That when we put our faith in him, he comes in and he forgives us and cleanses us from all, all, not some, all unrighteousness. The hope that we have in Jesus is the promise that we have in Jesus. When we call on him, he's faithful and just. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Listen, guys, that's not some. It's all. And why I love that verse so much is because it's the night before Jesus goes to the cross. But yet he says, 
I have overcome the world. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, how does that even make sense in scripture? It's like, it's not, you don't do that till the next day. But he, he says it with such certainty that he uses the perfect tense, which means the results of which are permanent, continuous, and never changing. So what Jesus did on the cross will never be outdone, never be overdone, never be changed, never be beaten, never be overcome. What Jesus did on the cross, it counted for your sins and it counted for mine, all of them, period, no matter what, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done. No matter if you're any of my friends in, in death row prisons or you're sitting here on the front row, you're not too good and you're not too bad. You see, we're not saved because what we've done and we never will be. We're saved because what he has done, period, finish. Yeah, and amen. it is done. That's why he said it is finished. Finish. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Well, I, I know God's speaking to someone today. And if there's anyone here today that you just know you need that forgiveness that only Jesus can offer, we have pastors, volunteers, people ready to talk to you this weekend at our guest services area. We also have baptisms going on all weekend long. Listen, you can't overcome temptation without the power of Jesus in you, which is what he just, Tim just talked about. And I just pray for all of us that we would walk out today living victoriously, knowing that Jesus the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that exists inside of you to continue to live the life God wants for you. Let's be people that live by his word and his ways. We're gonna continue this series next week, but I wanna close by just praying for all of us. And I wanna pray over Tim and Demi as well that God protects them. So let's, just, let's join in prayer together. Father, thank you so much for your word. You, you've given us, God, the power and your presence and God, people around us to overcome temptation. And I pray that we would continue to live for you and not beat ourselves up when we mess up, but take steps forward and get back on mission and start serving others and get beyond ourselves. And I thank you for Tim and Demi and how they're just living for you. I pray you protect their marriage, their life, continue to expand what they're doing all across this world. And God, for all of us, will we continue to live our lives for an audience of one, you, in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, Amen. 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 Have a great week, everybody.